1: Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball.
2: Welcome, everyone. Let's run it back today here on Wednesday. I'm your host, Daniel Port, here for the second day in a row. There was so much baseball stuff going on yesterday that I'm going to really be rushing to try and cover it all, so we're just going to jump straight into it here today. To start with the injuries, news, and notes for the day, the New York Yankees optioned Estevan Florial back down to AAA Scranton. The St. Louis Cardinals recalled Matthew Libertor from Memphis, and the Philadelphia Phillies optioned first base Derek Hall down to Lehigh Valley AAA, while recalling third baseman Yaro Munez from Lehigh Valley. Jumping into the injuries, the Boston Red Sox had a bevy of things going on yesterday. Manager Alex Corr said Brian Bellow will be activated off the 15-day injured list as he's recovered from his groin injury and will start today against the Blue Jays. Tommy Pham will be out of the lineup for Wednesday's game against the Blue Jays as he's dealing with a back injury. Xander Bogarts will also be out of the lineup today against the Blue Jays with a back injury of his own Keep adjust your lineups accordingly. Tanner Houck threw off flat ground Tuesday and said he felt good following the session. And Trevor Story will report to AA Portland on Wednesday to begin a rehab assignment as he attempts to recover from a wrist injury. Finally, Eric Hosmer was placed on the 10-day injured list yesterday with a back injury as well. And Nathan Aivaldi went to the 15-day injured list with an undisclosed injury. The Chicago Cubs listed Wilson Contreras as day-to-day. He was out of the lineup during Game 2 of today's doubleheader. Not uncommon for catchers, but they did list that it was due to left ankle stiffness. So uh, keep an eye on him today. For the Chicago White Sox, Eloy Jimenez was diagnosed with a bruised left elbow Tuesday after x-rays came back negative. We'll monitor his stats for today. And Michael Kopech went on the 15-day injured list with a leg injury. For the Cincinnati Reds, Mike Moustakas was listed as day-to-day. He was removed from Tuesday's loss to the Phillies with a left calf injury. And Matt Reynolds and Graham Ashcraft both went to the injured list with undisclosed injuries. For the Colorado Rockies, according to manager Bud Black, Chris Bryant continues to wear a protective walking boot on his injured foot. and It is yet to be determined whether or not the Rocky star will return this season. For the Detroit Tigers, Johnson Scope was placed uh, on the 10-day injured list with an ankle injury. And looking to the Houston Astros, Ryan Preston was unavailable during uh, yesterday's 4-2 win over the Twins due to neck stiffness. Well, keep an eye on his tennis today. And Almedes Diaz, according to general manager James Click, will probably miss up to about a few weeks or so. Uh, for the Kansas City Royals, Vinny Pasquantino went to the 10-day injured list. And for the Dodgers, Gavin Lux is listed as day-to-day. He was uh, scratched from Tuesday's lineup against Milwaukee due to a neck injury. And Walker Buehler announced on his Instagram account that he had Tommy John surgery on Tuesday. For the Miami Marlins, Garrett Cooper reported a single-A Jupiter to begin a rehab assignment from a concussion, as he looks to come off the 7-day injured list soon. For the Milwaukee Brewers, Adrian Hauser will be activated from the 15-day injured list to start today against the Dodgers, and Mike Rousseau was placed on the 10-day injured list with a strained right oblique. For the Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton was placed on the 10-day injured list with a right hip strain. Moving to the Yankees, Zach Britton will start a rehab assignment Wednesday. And Luis Severino threw approximately 25 pitches on Tuesday while facing fellow rehabbing teammate Giancarlo Stanton in a live batting practice session. For the Padres, Juan Soto was scratched from Tuesday's lineup against the Guardians due to left mid-back tightness, and you Darvish was placed on the paternity list on Tuesday as well. Congratulations, you. For the San Francisco Giants, Jacob Junis, he's been dealing with a hand injury, and he will remain on turn for now, according to the Giants, but they are going to continue to evaluate him ahead of Sunday's scheduled start against the Twins, so keep an eye on that going into Sunday. And Brandon Bell is listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. For the Seattle Mariners, finally, Sam Haggerty is still listed day-to-day with that shoulder injury. He is out of the lineup for yesterday's game and will have the monitor his status for today. Moving on to the hitters, because there were a ton of hitters I saw yesterday that really caught my eye, and I want to try and get to all of them here. So for the Cubs, Frambo Reyes went two for eight with a double uh, and an RBI over the doubleheader. Since coming to the Cubs on August 9th, he's hit four doubles, two home runs, and two triples in 14 games with eight RBIs. He's hitting .298 in August, which is good for a 130 WRC+. He's an eight forty nine OPS over that time period. He's even managed actually to actually cut his key percent down, all the way down to 23.7%, which is huge for him if he can stop striking out the rate he was previously. He's not walking at the same rate, but it probably means at least it's a sign he might be getting more aggressive in counts and going after the ball. Typically for his career, Reyes has been at his best, hitting to the middle of the field, and he's actually gotten back, to, uh, that center percentage has been down all season. He's actually gotten that back to right around his career norm. That's a really good sign here. For the Cardinals, Lars Nupar went 2-for-6 over that doubleheader with two doubles and two walks. He has been absolutely on fire over his last seven games, hitting 381 with an 857 slugging percentage. He had two home runs over that time period. And over his last 15 games, he's hitting 295 with a 659 slugging percentage he's been fantastic actually if you look since july 1st he's been a 185 wrc plus hitter he boasts 15 extra base hits over that time period in 39 games but that's just getting started he's actually walked at a 20 percent rate over that two-month time period while only striking out 16.3 percent of the time that's incredible that is elite plate discipline numbers there in that time period his barrel rate has jumped from 4.3 percent to 14.1 percent this coincides with him moving to a more all fields fly ball heavy approach and he's making a ton more contact in the zone these are all really great signs that Lars Newbar is turning the corner here in his young career he's an incredibly selective hitter he swings at only 39 uh, percent of the pitches that he sees this run of success shows that while he's still being pretty selective he's getting a better idea of which pitches to attack and when he does what to do with them he's available all over the place go pick him up he is red hot right now Corey Dickerson Went four for five with two runs scored and two doubles of his own. He uh, over his last seven games at 500 with a 722 slug. And he's hitting 390 over his last 15 games and 302 over his last 30 games. So he's been really good this season. He he's the right side of a platoon out there in the outfield, but it's all about health for him. He when he's healthy and when he plays against righties, he hits. It's just can he stay healthy? When you look at the Cardinals next upcoming series, they're going against the Cubs, the Braves, the Reds, then the Cubs again, the National, the Pirates. And all of those are very right-handed, heavy uh, rotations. Those are all areas he should do really well in so long as he can stay healthy. Definitely take a look at Corey Dickerson, especially in deeper leagues, daily leagues, or in ottenu Those are leagues where he could be really helpful down the stretch here. Our pools went one for four with a double. I just wanted to keep uh, tabs on him. There's no home runs today, obviously. But with that double, the power surge does continue for pools. If you want a little more on the changes pools has made recently, go listen to yesterday's podcast where I dove into it pretty deeply. For the Reds, Donovan Silvano went three for four with a double. Uh, He's been red hot as well. Over his last 30 games, he's hit 356 with a 462 slug. And over his last seven games in particular, he's hit 464 with a 500 slugging percentage and an OPS over 1,000. When he's healthy and plays, Solano rakes it's mostly empty because he doesn't have any power or speed to go along with that and it doesn't help that the rest of the reds lineup isn't very good he's not going to get a ton of rbis or a ton of runs out of this but he can really help you in uh your ratios like average and obp and in points daily and on new leagues he could be a really valuable player as well take a look at donovan solano For the Phillies, just to bring up real quick, a couple guys I've talked about recently, Alec Baum went one for 3 with a run and an RBI and a walk. If you're interested in how I feel about Baum and why you should go pick him up, go ahead and listen to yesterday. I do a pretty good deep dive on yesterday's first pitch podcast, so take a listen over there, but definitely go pick him up if he's still available in your leagues. And Bryson Stott, I know I talked about him yesterday as well. He uh, did not start in this game, but he did pinch hit, going one for one with a double and a run scored. I actually brought him up because I wanted to add an anecdote I heard yesterday from my fellow colleague over at PitcherList, the awesome Brett Goldhammer. He pointed out to me that apparently one of the big changes I'd been mentioning yesterday, I wasn't sure why, what changes Bryson Stott had made to his approach that was leading to his recent elevated production. And it turns out that according to Alex Coffey, he reported that Jan Segura had apparently given Bryson Stott a challenge and said, uh, asked him to go 10 at-bats using just his two-strike approach, basically saying that his stride was getting a little too wide and uh, he wanted to try and have him hit not using such a big stride. And Stott was skeptical at first. He ended up going 6 for 10 right off the bat. And kind of bought in, and it's really led to a big change in his approach and how he's been hitting the ball. So there is actually some evidence backing up what Bryson Stott is doing right now, which shifts him into a must-add for me. Uh, Definitely go get Bryson Stott here right now. For the Rays, Yandy Diaz went one for four with a double, uh, two runs scored in an RBI and a walk. He's been red hot over his last seven games. He's hitting 308 with a 615 slugging percentage over his last seven games along with a home run. And in a lot of ways, Diaz is a lot like uh, Bohm if Boehm walked more often. I believe Yanni Diaz has walked around 16% of the time this season while only striking around 10% of the time, which is incredible. And really, Diaz might end up in the better real-life player than fantasy player category. He's mostly going to contribute just average and OBP for you. But he is the leadoff hitter for the Braves and has been for a while now. And when you get a leadoff hitter with a 384 OBP, that's a 137 WRC plus hitter on the season, he could end up providing some real value. In OBP leagues, points leagues, he's a must add player, in my opinion, right now. For the Giants, Jock Peterson went two for three with a run and an RBI and a walk. Over his last seven games, he's hitting 261 with a 435 slugging percentage and a home run over that time period. The big reason I bring this up is he's still, over his last 15 games, though, he's hit 317 with a 488 slugging percentage, and he's still crushing right handers. In August, he's actually hitting 297 against them with an 809 OPS and a 130 WRC. The Giants are actually heading into a pretty righty heavy. Uh, stretch here next they're going to face the twins who their entire rotation is all right-handers so he should play against them and do well and then the Padres while they have a few lefties also have a pretty righty heavy rotation and then moving to the Phillies who are again almost all righty they believe they have one left-hander in their rotation before they head to the Dodgers who are almost all left-handers. So that's a nice little stretch there where Jock Peters could be a really useful hitter for the next two weeks or so if you need outfield help. More importantly for the Giants, Evan Longoria went off. He went two for four with his 12th home run on the season run and two RBIs. He's been on fire. I, I know last, I believe last week, I said to keep an eye on Evan Longoria in case it It looked like he was starting to get going again here. And boy, howdy, has he ever. He's at 409 with a 955 slugging percentage and three home runs over his last seven games. He's over his last 30 games. He's even hitting 316 with a 579 slug and seven home runs. So he has been hitting the ball really well. And when you actually take a look at the bigger picture, his numbers on the season look almost identical to uh, his outrageously hot 2021. That's where he hit 13 home runs in uh, 81 games. And he's now a 137 WRC plus hitter on the season. He's putting up career high in barrel rate with a 14.5% barrel rate. He's career-high in launch angle, career-high in home run per fly ball percent, in pull percentage, and he's really close to a career-high in fly ball percentage. So he's doing everything you want to do. He's looking just like the same hitter we got really excited about last season before he got injured. He's barely rostered anywhere, and if he is out there, you have to go pick up Longoria. This is the kind of move that could win you leagues. For the Diamondbacks, Jake McCarthy went 2-for-3 with an RBI, a run, and a walk. He's hitting 391 over his last seven games with a 652 slugging percentage. He does have a home run over that time period and a stolen base over his last 15 games he's hitting 354 with a 500 slugging percentage and 320 over his last 30 games so he's been doing this for a little while now and in those last 30 games he's stolen eight bases he's definitely uh, got some average and stolen base potential he has the 10th fastest sprint speed in the league and his 7.1 infield hit percentage seems to support that he could continue to uh, hit at a pretty high level or at least out hit his 254x batting average when you look though down in the minors it's even more exciting because you can see That throughout the minors, he had a much higher fly ball percentage and home run per fly ball percentage in the minors. So it's not crazy to think that as he continues to adjust the league, there's still some power to come for the 24-year-old. We may not see it till next year, but it's worth noting that there is that potential there as well. Uh, You're looking at a guy who could be in a full season, 275, 15-15 or more hitter here. Definitely go pick up Jake McCarthy if you need some speed. It looks like uh, he could really help contribute in those areas for the Rangers. Nathaniel Lowe went 1 for 4 with his 19th home run of the season and 3 RBIs. I think at this point I'm the Bernie Sanders meme where I am saying I'm here once again to ask you to pick up Nathaniel Lowe for your team. He he's now up to a 369 batting average in August with a 990 OPS and a 186 WRC+. This home run marks a career high for him. He's up to a 133 WRC+ in the season, which is eighth amongst all first basemen right now. Somehow I don't understand that he's still out there in a lot of leagues. Don't be the bozo That doesn't pick him up for the Rockies. Winston Bernard went. One for four, I'm sorry, went three for four uh, with a run scored. He's been uh, hitting really well so far since coming up. It's just 31 at-bat, so it's hard to put too much trust in it as he's hit 323, though, over that time period with three stolen bases. It's a season for the ages. It's the kind of story we write myths and legends around. It's just what makes baseball great. But I don't know what to do with it. The stack numbers are very ugly. I believe is a negative launch angle at this point on the season. But in such a short period of time, that's not necessarily that surprising. I think there's more sure things I've talked about so far in this podcast if you're looking for uh, average and stolen bases like Jake McCarthy. But if you're in a deep league or those options aren't out there, I definitely see stashing him to see if this continues or picking him up to try and get some stolen bases in there. For the Guardians, Oscar Gonzalez went one for four with his fourth home run. And I said last time I was on the pod that uh, we might start seeing home runs for Gonzalez sooner rather than later as he certainly had the power in him. He just needs to start elevating the ball. And he has started to do that quite rapidly. Stack ass numbers keep rising. To give you an idea, now his barrel rate is up to 10.9% in August with a 9.5 degree launch angle and a 43.6% hard hit rate. Those are almost double what they've been previously in the season. So we are definitely seeing him start elevating the ball and hitting it hard in the air. There are some concerns in his plate discipline numbers, so it's you it's okay to wonder if you think the three oh six batting average is gonna stick around. But he's actually making a ton of contact. And throughout the minors, he was known as a good contact uh bat to ball guy. So I think he, he can get away with it to a certain degree even if he's. He isn't walking all that much. We just might see more uh, streakiness from him. And in a lot of ways, it reminds me of a young Javi Baez type, if only Javi Baez had actually made more contacts. For the Athletics, Shea Langoliers went one for four with a double and an RBI. It's hard to get off to a much better start than Langleyers has. He's got a home run and four doubles in just seven games with a 901 OPS. Yes, it's just seven games, and obviously uh, he probably won't keep this up quite at this rate, but uh, he's looked really good at the plate so far. I think, especially at catcher, he's a must-add. With this kind of power output and potential, you can't afford to let him sit there out there on the wire. Finally, to wrap up the hitters, moving on to the Nationals. Joey Meneses went two for four with a h- double and a home run and two RBIs. He's continuing his fantastic start to his career in a big way. He had hit a little bit of a slump as he's only hit two fifty eight over his last seven games here. But if you go back to his last 15 games, he's still hitting three fifty six with a six forty four slugging percentage of five home runs in his last 15 games. He's just been absolutely crushing the ball. And when you look at his stat guest numbers and his batted ball numbers, he's got a 91.3 mile per hour exit velocity, a 13.8% barrel rate, 44.8% percent hard hit rate and 11.9 degree launch angle. Those all look great. He's hitting the ball in the air at a 37.9% rate with a 22.4% line drive rate. He's pulling the ball 46.6% of the time. All those really support big power output. And then when you move over to his plate discipline numbers, He's only got a 33.8% O-swing percentage, which means he's not chasing a lot of balls. He's got a 47.1% swing rate, which shows he's being selective. And he's making contact 82.8% of the time with a Z-contact rate or contact rate in the zone of 87.2%. Seemed to look at least somewhat sustainable. If you haven't added Joy Joey and you need power, go add him. Lane Thomas went two for four with a stolen base and an RBI. Over his last, he's been slumping for a while now, but over his last seven games, he's hit 333 with a 600 slugging percentage and two home runs and two stolen bases over that time period including a home run in this game and he's these numbers haven't looked great over the season since august 15th he's at a 15.4 percent barrel rate and that makes you wonder given that he's also starting to make contact at a much higher rate at 81.2 percent and 85.4 percent z contact rate while not chasing all that much at a 28.8 percent swing rate. if he's starting to put some things together and he's pulling the ball a lot more at 61.5 percent over that time period so you, you wonder if there's some uh, room for growth here for lane thomas i'm not necessarily saying go pick him up yet but keep an eye on him and see if this is the start of something now, moving on to the pitchers, because there are a bunch of pitchers I still want to get through today. Talking about Aaron Savalle for the Guardians. He went 4.2 innings pitched, giving up just one earned run against the Padres with two walks and four strikeouts. Savalle didn't have his best stuff tonight. He had trouble locating his curveball, which is his best pitch, and it took him 95 pitches to get through 4.2 innings pitched, but he made it work. He, he fought through it. He stole a ton of called strikes with his sinker and his excellent cutter, and that kind of allowed him to battle through this one, which is impressive considering it was against one of the best offenses in the league, so we'll definitely take it. He hasn't allowed more than two runs in any of his last five. starts and he's actually got a 3.31 ERA over his last seven starts with 33 strikeouts and 32.2 innings pitched where he also only has a 1.19 whip so there's some really encouraging things for Savale, especially since he's come back from that injury this is the first time he's really looked like the pitcher that we were all excited about last year coming into this year he gets Seattle next and I'm probably starting him there given his strikeout upside and how well he's pitched lately For the Rangers, Dane Dunning went five innings pitched, giving up four earned runs of four strikeouts. This was a weird one, as Dunning is usually great when he doesn't walk anyone. He didn't walk anyone in this game. Uh, The hard part is he got Coors to death, as this was in Coors Field. And because of the ballpark, I'm willing to take this one with a grain of salt and uh, just be encouraged he didn't walk anyone. He seemed to have better control and move on from here. With that being said, though, he does get Houston next, and obviously that's a no for me, walks or no walks. But keep an eye on Dane Dunning, as that's very encouraging. For the Diamondbacks, Zach Davies went 5.2 innings pitched with one earned run, two walks, and a strikeout. This is Davies' fourth start in a row, giving up fewer than three runs, and he's given up one or fewer runs in three of those four starts. Unfortunately, he's yet to go six or more innings in any of these starts, but it's certainly encouraging to see him pitching since coming back here in August after missing all of July. He's been relying a lot more on his sinker over this stretch, throwing it nearly 64% of the time, and his curveball has done really well over the time period, even if he barely throws it. Whoa. It'll be interesting to see if this success continues the rest of the season, but... Let's not see next week as he gets Philly in that start. For the Cubs, Adrian Sampson with 3.1 innings pitched with five earned runs given up and no strikeouts. Sampson's struggling this one against a good offense. He's been pretty good in his previous starts coming up to this, he's been pretty solid. And that's how he's been all year, mostly good to solid outings with every fourth or fifth start being of the rough variety. I still really like him as a spot starter, so just exercise caution depending on the matchup. He gets Milwaukee next and I get waiting one more to see if this is a fluke. That's probably what I'm doing, but I also get starting him there, but I I would probably avoid it. For the Blue Jays, Ross Stripling was fantastic going six innings pitched with one earned run and six strikeouts and one walk. Stripling's been great all season. Over his last seven games, he's got 2.41 ERA with 34 strikeouts over 37.1 innings pitched. And Strickland's been one of the big surprises on the season as he's been elite all year long when he's been healthy. And he's mostly achieved his elite turnaround thanks to a 13% increase in his ground ball rate, bringing it all the way up to 48.6%, and a 2.8% reduction in his walk rate. This precludes him dropping his home run 9 from 2.04 in 2021 to 0.57. Home runs have always been his Achilles heel, and it looks like he's figured something out there. Now, I don't expect it to continue to be that low, but if he can keep from giving up home runs, he's going to be a successful pitcher in this league. And... If you're looking for how he managed to do that, the biggest reason I see is that he has largely moved away from his four-seam fastball. He's dropped the usage on that pitch all the way down to 34.6%, bumping his excellent changeup up to a 25.3% usage and his slider up to a 23.1% usage. And that has allowed it to excel so far this season. And in a smaller role, actually, the 4 seamers been really great so far this season. He's unrostered in a ton of leagues, and so he's a must-add not just as a streamer but to your rotation. That's how good he's been this season. He gets the Angels next, and that's a must-start. That's a great opportunity for him there as well. For the Rays, Corey Kluber went six innings pitched with one earned run and three strikeouts. Uh, This has been the story of Kluber's season. He is almost entirely good to solid starts across the board, but then you throw in the occasional absolute disaster, and it really throws off his numbers. Uh, This is Kluber's second quality start in a row, and his third in his last four starts. He's got a high floor, if you think about when you're looking to start him, but has a potential for that blowout. He gets Boston next, and I'm probably sitting him for that game, but again, keep an eye on Kluber in future starts. For the Angels, Jose Suarez has won 5.1 innings, he's pitch, giving up three earned runs and five strikeouts. I picked Suarez yesterday as my streamer for Tuesday, and he was solid if unspectacular. This is his fifth start in a row with fewer than three earned runs given up. Uh, he's only given up six earned runs over his last five starts total. He's probably still a good streamer in the right situation, uh, more of a high floor than a high ceiling guy, especially against any team that struggles against changeups. On the other hand, he does get the Yankees next, and they are not one of those teams. They're definitely keep an eye on him, but don't look to start him coming up in his next start. For the Mets, Taewon Walker won five innings, pitched with two earned runs and three strikeouts and two walks. Since his outrageous blow up on August 8th, where he gave up eight runs in one inning, he's back to being really great. He's given up just four earned runs over his last three starts. He can be erratic with the strikeouts. They can be up and down. And he's actually walked seven in his last three starts, which coming off of an injury worries me. He gets the Dodgers next with that in mind and given the, the recent penchant for walks. I'm likely sitting him in that game, but Taewon Walker is available in a lot of leagues and will help your rotation for sure after that one. For the Phillies, Ranger Suarez from 5.2. innings pitch, giving up three earned runs, walking four, and giving up five strikeouts. His last seven games, he's been fantastic. I've talked a lot about Ranger Suarez on here. He's got a one54 area over of his last seven starts, and he always walks hitters. That's one of his Achilles heels, but he usually gets away with it, but he can't get away with four walks, and that came back to haunt him. He's been really good recently, and so, like I said, I'm more likely to consider this a blip than any real cause for concern, and it's worth noting that all of his runs allowed in this one came in the sixth inning and so did three of those four walks. So he was pitching really well until that sixth inning when it kind of got away from him. It seemed like he didn't have a good feel for his cutter and curve. I'm willing to throw this one out and move on. It hasn't changed really my take on Suarez at all for the rest of season. He gets Pittsburgh in his next start and that's a must start for me with Suarez. Don't lose the faith here. For the Reds, Nick Lodolo went 5.1 his pitch with four earned runs, five strikeouts and two walks. It's weird. Lodolo had the same situation as Suarez. He had a no-hitter coming into the sixth inning and then it all fell apart from him once he got to the third time through the order and actually one of those runs even scored after he was pulled it isn't as bad as it looks but obviously still not great he had 12 whiffs on the day and the big thing I was looking for is he cut down on the walks two's not great but it's still better than what he was doing in his previous starts so it's a step in the right direction he gets Washington next and I'm willing to risk streaming him there for the strikeout upside and considering he looked pretty good in this one until the sixth so those are the pictures that caught my eye uh, before we jump into what I'm looking forward to watching today let's actually take a quick break so I can catch my breath here
1: Thank you so much. Welcome back. Real quick,
2: what am I watching today? There's a lot of great baseball going on today, but the first things I'm looking at, Interesting matchup here in the Tigers taking on the Giants. And at first you're thinking, why Tigers and Giants? That doesn't sound like a great game. We got Logan Webb, who's amazing. Pitching against Matt Manning, who's actually been really great. Uh, in the six starts he's made this season, he has a 2.81 ERA. And it'll be really interesting to see if he can keep that going and continue that success. So that's a fun pitching matchup for me. Jesus Lazardo for the Marlins is going against Cole Irving in the Athletics. That looks like a, a really fun pitching matchup. The Guardians and the Padres are going toe-to-toe. Those are two elite teams right now facing each other. Those are always fun marquee matchups all for it, especially as the Guardians try to hold on to the ALC central lead. And also in the AL central, the Twins are taking on the Astros as they are trying to not fall behind to four games behind the Guardians there in the division. George Kirby's going up with the Nationals and I just enjoy watching him pitch and that should be a pretty fun matchup for him. I'm intrigued to see Spencer Watkins go up against the White Sox. He's actually been really solid. Recently he's got a 3.41 ERA in his last seven starts. In terms of hitters I'm looking to stream today, any Rangers going up against Jose Reña in Colorado? Nathaniel Lowe, please go pick him up. He could be really good in this situation. Any Mariners against Abel Sanchez. It's just been pretty poor this season. Any Phillies. When we talked about Bryson Stott if he plays today. Alec Baum going up against TJ Zuch of the Reds as he's also been pretty terrible so far. So I think those are really great matchups. Those are the hitters I'm looking to stream. In terms of pitchers I'm looking to stream, there aren't a ton of great pitching matchups that I like streaming today. But I do Brady Singer against the Diamondbacks, as Singer's been pretty darn good lately, uh, and the Diamondbacks aren't the greatest offense in the world, so I think he should do pretty well there. And the aforementioned Spencer Watkins, I like trying to stream him against the White Sox, especially if Eloy Jimenez does not play today. That is a pretty unintimidating lineup there. Those are the pictures I like to stream, and that's actually our podcast for the day. I know it was a lot. Thank you so much. There's a ton of things going on. I didn't want you to miss out on anything, so I apologize for going a little long here today and for rushing a little bit. Thank you so much. Enjoy your Wednesday, enjoy your baseball, and good luck to all your fantasy teams.
1: Thank you. This has been the First Pitch Podcast brought to you by pitcherlist.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at pitcherlist.com slash plus.